more questions you can ask, the more familiarity you become with the requirements to even set your kids up for completion. So let's not just talk about how many people we know that start, but they end up dropping out, they may not complete, some of them have to work. So now there's working adult programs that help people go back to school, um, tuition reimbursement. So there's just a lot of things. I just think we have to take ownership um, as minorities to find those gaps so that our kids can be. Right, and it's like you said too about, I mean, we talked about this before in one of our other shows, like you got to prepare them with extracurricular activities. Like my kids played, I mean, they ran, they played sports, they ran track, but one thing we did focus on, we had the top three that we focused on. It was um, education, sports, and music. They all play instruments. And one thing I knew, if I'm paying for an instrument, you're going you gonna to play the instrument until you get out of school. My oldest played violin, and he played in it. He got from a regular orchestra to advanced orchestra. My youngest played the um, French horn, and he did that, and he got to the marching band. One thing I did not know, you do you can get a scholarship for the violin, but you have a guaranteed scholarship, guaranteed scholarship playing the French horn. It's one of the hardest instruments to even get into because you have to you have to actually take a test. I didn't know to see that you take a test to play that instrument. But and it's expensive as hell. It's, I'm still paying for it now. It's expensive as hell. But at least I know that they helped him out and getting a scholarship going to SCAD. But those are things that you know you have to think about early on. And one thing oh. that Go ahead. But, so I was going to say, so like what we were talking about earlier is just that in Georgia, it's 17 programs of study for which free tuition is available. And those are the Hope Career Grant. It can boost the student's need to get on a rewarding career, well-paying job without accumulating a lot of student debt. So those are to help Georgia employers who are having critical need jobs that need to be um, filled, high demand jobs. So you already pretty much gonna have a job and have some form of education. So we just have to instill that into our kids and even into our community. Because sometimes it's not just the students that we're focusing on. Parents mm -hmm. may not know that there are some programs that they can get involved in, you know, to continue um, their education. I want to go back to school. A lot of people just haven't had that opportunity. I mean, they had, well, everybody should have had the opportunity last year from this doggone pandemic. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's everybody need to stay informed. And I mean, I think, you know, when it comes to education, I feel as though you should always be learning. Now, you ain't got to always be enrolled in school, but you should always be learning to the day you leave this earth. And one thing that Tamika is right about, you have a lot of companies that do, they do actually give tuition reimbursement or give tuition for the parents' kids that actually work at that corporation and then they get them into like an internship program once they go get into school a paid internship on top of that too i know in my company i'm not gonna say the name of my company but it does that it actually they actually try to help you i don't care if you're a contractor they will help your kid out and pay a portion of tuition for your kid going to school and they do it for people that does graphic design work and for all engineering because i work at an engineering company and um, engineering stuff and they will put them in a program and then once they get two years in, they have them start coming to the company to do an internship and start actually using some of the stuff they're learning throughout school. And the company pays, I think they're paying now like seven to $10,000 to go towards that. But if you're not paying attention to it, you know, you will miss out on that money that's available to help your kid out. <laughs> now, fortunately, 
you know, my kid can't take advantage of that because he ain't going to, he's not doing what they're looking for. But yeah, again, it goes back to what Tamika said. You know, you have to stay informed. Now, one thing I do want the colleges to start to cut out, and you can let me know whether or not uh, Mercer does is, is this them asking about their um their criminal background, whether or not they've been arrested for anything and stuff like that. Because I'm like, if you're trying to go to school, you're trying to go to school. I don't know too many criminals are trying to go to school to master their, their criminality work out in the streets. No, that has been removed from certain applications, but then they're gonna hit you on the other end, but you can't get federal funding. So it's not necessarily on your application for school, but it's on your financial aid application. The FAFSA application. On the FAFSA. So that way it's not on the school application. The school is not really questioning that. But then how you're going to pay for school, it may affect that. So there's a study out and it says a new study shows that minority and first generation students have a higher sense of belonging at a two year college than their counterparts at a four year institution. That kind of bothers me, too. How do you feel like I only belong at a two year and that I'm not capable of doing a four year? Like, you know, so the research says that they found that while racial ethnic minorities and first generation students at a four year institution are less inclined to feel that same sense of belonging. First year students at both two year and four year colleges and universities said they somewhat agree that they belong on their campuses. The students rated their experiences on campuses using a scale, but basically what I'm trying, I'm, I'm reading here, it just talks about why why don't they feel like they belong? Well, I just feel like it's been instilled in him in in kids sometimes that you can't make it. Right. That you're not good enough. So that goes into one of the things I was talking about at this event that I attended last Friday called it was Stop the Violence. And it was trying to, to cut back on the violence taking place within the minority communities and what can we do and what's impacting and call and the potential cause of violence within our communities. And, you know, one of my things I was like, is it your sense of, like you just said, your belonging and then measuring yourself to those that don't look like you and you think because you don't look like that person that you don't have the qualifications or you're not gonna be good enough to get in those jobs or even get into the institution. You feel more comfortable to be around more people like you. And it's like, okay, where does that even come from? Because just because you look different, and I know where it comes from, but the thing is just because we look different or we don't fit within this certain standard, then we don't think that we're qualified to do the work that those other people are doing. Hence always people focusing on the sagging of pants. I don't like sagging of pants, but I don't think it's gonna, that's, it doesn't qualify. It doesn't mean whether or not somebody's capable to do a job or somebody's able to go to school or you got dreads in your hair. Or in my case, like I have an Afro. Or if you wear a certain style of clothing, or if you walking around with the hijab on, those things people tend to look at and they, they, they've already based an assessment and judge you for who you are. And because they have done that and they publicize that, the individual now thinks that they aren't good enough, depending on where you come from your household, they aren't good enough to be in the institution or be a part of that company, which now puts you at the bottom of the totem pole and you have already you've already set yourself up for failure because you don't believe that you're qualified to do the things that the people that don't look like you can do. And I think that's one of the biggest things is that you're prejudged. And a lot of times it's the professor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those it's not necessarily just the peers in your dormitory or even if you're not staying on campus. 
because you have a lot of students who do commute and drive in. But I think it's the the professors a lot of times. That is why, you know, I'm I'm not, I didn't attend the HBCU and I know you didn't either, but I do feel as I've gotten older, I understand the purpose of a historically black college and universities is to give you that sense of belonging and that, you know, feeling of want and you belong here. You can do it. Sometimes you need people to look like you, mm-hmm. to instill in you um, what you can and what you can't do, but that's not even always an option. Right. So, because it's not an option, how do we create that feeling of, you know, feeling wanted or, you know, that word of like the word is used in this article is belonging like you don't belong here and a lot of students if you um, watch a couple of youtube videos it shows that from some of these larger institutions where african americans may be the minority they don't feel like they want to be there so that's where you have a lot and i know you talk a lot about mental illness they have mental illness mm-hmm. um, breakdowns coming into place so we're not just talking about um, academics, we have to build our kids up socially to be able to deal with a lot of the pressures and the things that they deal with outside of their own community. And I think that's what's really holding us back a lot is we don't navigate with other cultures, other people, we don't travel, we don't do some of the basic things that teach those life skills and teach us how to get along. Right. And it. <laughs> And then we still have people that beat us down and they, they purposely do things. And I, one example of that is, is uh, Shakari. Shakari, no, it's not Shakari. I mean, Shakari, Shakari, Shakari Richardson. And I know everybody has a feeling about, you know, why she did what she did and how could she have done this. But I always go back, when I, was, when I look at things, I look at the root, pro- the root of the problem, which is why this reporter decided to ask her or tell her about her mom passing away when that was something that she was even know why she was competing. And so now she has a pressure of competing on top of a family member that's died that she didn't even know anything about because I'm sure her family was like, we're not going to tell her about anything because she's competing right now. And now how she deal with all of that pressure. Now she chose a route that I necessarily wouldn't agree with, but she did what she knew what she, she probably was used to doing back at LSU to um, calm her mind down. Of course, unfortunately, you know, it worked out the wrong way for her, but that's, she wasn't taught anything different. And that's the thing that we have to learn to deal with and actually start working on is like, how are we dealing with mental health? Because even when it comes okay. to school, culturally, we don't deal with mental health the right way. We kind of just push it up under the table and mental health does play a part in your education. I mean, you have ADHD, you have kids that feel like they're depressed because they're not fitting in with the other kids in their classroom. So it affects their work performance. They don't test well, they're lethargic because they're not sleeping that way. They have anxiety attacks because of social media pressure and whatnot. And a lot of those things that we, a lot of people don't even look, they don't even know how even to deal with. A lot of teachers don't even know how to deal with that stuff. They take it as kids are being unruly and disruptive. And they put the, they push Hold the kid on out. one second. Let me interrupt you. It's not just minorities though. Yeah. It's just that when it comes to us, it gets magnified. It gets yeah. on a spotlight. And we've talked about on a previous episode, how many kids, African-American kids get suspended. Like we just don't even want to deal with you. Right. Like we are some different type of character. So even with her, it's like, really? I don't think it has nothing to do with the marijuana. I think it has to do with her look. She yeah. was changing the sport. She was changing, changing how 
frat girls look and feel and how we think about the sport in general, no different than basketball players. So now you have a game changer. Anytime you are a game changer, especially as an African-American woman, it's like they come after you. Because now mm -hmm. you got some other athlete, they're saying their estrogen level is too high. Yeah. Black women always have estrogen levels that are high. We develop faster than most races. So you, so now you're targeting of gender specific. Mm -hmm. You're going after things. And yeah, these, I don't know if you've heard of that. They were suspended because now they're looking at, oh, are they taking estrogen pill? What is it that's making them so stronger and tough? African-Americans have always known to be better runners, quicker, faster, stronger, tougher, all of those things. And so I think it just had to do with her overall appearance, look. She does not look what we think and think a traditional athlete should look like, how she gonna represent us. And I think it goes back into more of that. So we gotta do something. Mm -hmm. And I think once you start probing and you start looking, you mean to tell me she was the only person that got tested? Nobody else failed a drug test. So that's what I think we deal with as it relates to just us as a culture mm -hmm. that we're constantly fighting each other. We're constantly fighting the media and we're constantly fighting um, stereotypes. Yeah, I mean, she know. was under a lot of pressure. And that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, because you're talking about the, the testosterone, especially about the South African, who naturally in their region, their testosterone is high. And it's like, there's nothing they can do about that. But you want them to take uh, medication to reduce the testosterone. It's like, why do I? So you, you're telling me I can't take medication or certain vitamins to eat certain foods because I will fill a drug test. But now you're telling me to take medication now to reduce my natural testosterone because my testosterone is higher than the other women athletes. But then on the other hand, too, you're in other countries they're approving the trans athletes to get in there so that's okay so it's like you 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 always coming after the black people and the minorities and yeah they were coming after Shakira she first of all the, the young lady's five one she already defeating the odds because hell I tried to run track and my track coach at the time told me hell no because I was too short and I'm but five six she defeated the odds you rarely saw that she attended LSU they kind right. of slid that in right. she's a track star she's yeah. in college she's a college and she graduated woman. yes so, it, so once again it goes back to us as it relates where is the LSU people coming out and saying hey we support you you're one of us you're mm -hmm. our own. So as we, you know, as we talk about minorities, as we talk about education, we do just have to be more educated about rules, results. What if mm -hmm. I get caught? I'm not. I'm not justifying what she did. No, I know. Not by a long shot. Uh -huh. But you know, yeah, because you think about it, this was your ticket. This was your way out. But should we put that much, much pressure? on a 19, well, she's 21, on a 21 year old. We all have to think about the mistakes we made at 21 and sometimes just not knowing, not having that guidance, not having support. So we have to back off the way we allow social media to treat our kids. Right. But when that scandal, like you said about the parents who were trying to get their kids in and they could, they could afford. Yes, millions of dollars. In, these schools, but the pressure of being accepted. Why was their kids not being accepted? Because they didn't do the things that Antonio did for his son. Because right. they've never felt like they had to. Mm -mm. So now that the rules are changing for everybody, you either have the wealthy people, these people are wealthy, they're not just rich, they're wealthy, 
saying I need to buy my way in because it's a game. Mm-hmm. And if you don't play the game right, whether you're a minority, whether you're a Caucasian, we, we're seeing that, right? It does right. not matter. It has to fit you and you have to know which role to play in order to become successful, in order to be a scholar um, and to become educated. You just all have to do it better. Yeah, you, it's uh, unfortunately, you know, I hate to say it because I'm the one that defy the rules. I don't believe in rules half the time because it depends on what the rules are. And because they, again, disproportionately affect us and it's always as a means to hold us down because others violate the rules with no consequences whatsoever. But we're always held down to the pen when it comes down to making sure we're adhering to policy. Now, I don't agree with what she did. I think it was a terrible mistake. But when I look at the pressure that she's dealing with and I mean, she, you know, she's from the streets and I love a hood chick. I ain't gonna even lie about that. Tamika know I feel about hood chicks. <laughs> love for <them. laughs> Oh, that's my kryptonite. But, and yeah, she was a, she was a modern day Flojo. She was the, the uh, so she came in with the hair and the nails and whatnot. And I'm like, hey man, as long as you can run that race and win that race, right. I don't care how you look. And that's what she did. She came out and she smoked everybody. But everybody always wanted to focus on her hair and her nails. Even the Australian lady that pissed me off talking about she's taking steroids because look at her hair and her nails. I'm like, really? So you think that's real? <laughs> but but we're not focused on the fact of let's look at let's look at her accomplishments. Let's highlight that. So we're talking about education. We're not talking about mm-hmm. where she made a mistake. We're going to highlight her her accomplishments. The young lady made it out of high school. She made it out of high school, and I've been following her for a long time. She made it out of high school, she got a track scholarship, she got into LSU. She smoked everybody out in LSU. She made it to multiple trials, and now she made it to Olympic trials. She did what, what we were just talking about before. She, didn't, she had support in her family, but she came from a household that did not have that previous education background. Mm-hmm. And they were always in a struggle. So she defied the odds. So even when it comes to her and other kids just like her, I want to celebrate their greatness in doing something that people in their family weren't able to do. And that's what we need to see more of is that the parents got to get in because her grandma was there pretty much helping to raise her and take care of her is mm-hmm. to be more involved in our kids' education and, and stuff that our kids have a passion about. Not even just as, what well, does go coincide with education, but what their passions are and making sure that they're set up in life to pursue the things that they want to do. Because one of the things we talk about on this show, especially when we talk about education, our kids' education is don't be like us and work jobs because we have to work a job. Work a job that you love to do and that you're passionate in and get paid off a bit so you can have some fulfillment in life and not feel as though I'm just going to work to pay some bills or take care of a family that I have right now. Do what you love to do. Because now all of us in that generation, <laughs> you know, we had we had COVID to set us back. We're going through the reset right. of let's let's go, let's do what we love to do because we see clearly, even I knew early on that corporations don't care about you and, and you're really just a number. And they'll push you out on the streets whenever it's convenient for them and leave you out high and dry. So why not focus on what you love doing and why not have your your kids focus on what they love doing and get paid off of that and send them to the right institutions, whatever the institution is, to get them prepared for what they love doing in life. And it's okay to change. If you're someplace and it does not fit, and I understand, for me, yeah, you do have to um, look at withdrawal rules. You do have to know... Um, things with um, financial aid and all of those pressures. I mean, those are the questions that you just need to know. So if it's not working, finish out the school. Don't never leave early. Finish and see what fits, where you can transfer, where you can get extra credit. There's so many colleges and universities, not a one size 
um, fit all, you know, for anybody. And sometimes you do look at what other people have done, their experiences, um, life lessons, where they come from. But ultimately, it is a personal choice and it's up to hopefully parents or the guardians of those kids to just try to help make them a productive citizen. And hopefully they can strive to even use what they've done in college to become entrepreneurs as well as if they decide to go work for someone else. So we just have to push them in different directions. And the key is exposure. So just exposing them early, um, looking up information, the internet, Google is your friend, research, 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 any college, navigate the page. I always tell people navigate and learn a little bit more before you go there. Never assume anything Never believe what they say. I promise you it's something different one-on-one per each student who's trying to attend college. So as we wrap up um, today's show, We Colleges and Minority, we would definitely talk about this again. We would have another part two and talk about specific degree programs and other maybe technical diplomas that you may not even be aware of, high-paying jobs. So we will continue the discussion. Right, and then the next one, I'll go as far as I bring on um, Dr. Victoria Seals, who is the president of Atlanta Technical College and have her come on and talk about some of the programs because her school is, and I bring her on because her school is predominantly a black school and it does cater to the minority community. So she can further elaborate and break down things of programs they have in those colleges and how they actually cater to minority communities. Because like, like Tamika said, you know, you, some people might not want to go to a four-year university. You might not want a university like but you can attend a technical school. You can attend a two-year college. You can go get a certification because at the end of the day, when people tell you that I don't want to go to school because college ain't for me, education is for you. Because no matter where you go, no matter what job you get, you got to get trained on the job. Getting trained on the job is education. So why not go to, if you don't want to do a four-year, which I get that, if you don't want to do a four-year, then go get some, get a trade skill. Trade trade jobs pay a lot of doggone money. If you don't know that, electricians, plumbers, everybody, even carpentry work. Like they, cosmetologists. Like cosmetologists. Yes, they get paid a ton. And even now they've classified IT stuff as a trade skill now. You get paid a lot of doggone money. So stop going by the traditional way of doing things because we've seen what happened during this pandemic. We saw what happened. Everybody's so educated, which everybody are. They work in corporate jobs and then what happened? Those corporate jobs lay you off. And now we have a shortage of plumbers. We have a shortage of electricians. We definitely have a shortage of cosmetologists. They have a shortage of beauticians because it's hard to really, and I'm telling you right now, it's hard to find a good beautician because I have to deal with my, my, I found this one on here right now. <laughs> it's hard to find people of it's those areas. It's hard to find good help, period. Yes. So, so yes, um, so as we wrap the show up, yes, parents get more involved. I mean, we have our administrators, we put so much work on our teachers and I love my first responders. We put so much work on our teachers and our, the counselors that's in those education systems. But you play a part in this too. I mean, you push this kid out. Like you, you, you held this child for nine months. You got this kid all the way up to where they're attending school. I want all my week, 10, <laughs> 10 months. I want them all. <laughs> 10. So she did that, not the average, when she did 10 months. <laughs> She's but average. you, uh, yes, you got to get your, you have to get your kids prepared for school. And if you, if you got to do a little bit extra to make sure that you don't want your kids having to work. Like my kids work, my oldest kid work because he wants to work. He doesn't have to. And he has credit cards, a credit card available to him. And he has a stipend that he gets every month to where he doesn't have to work. And that's because I don't want him having to deal with the struggle of, 
I'm in school, but now I got to pay for school and I got to have money for my gas and everything else just to enjoy life. So I encourage you, just like you wanted people to invest in you in your life, invest in the kids that you brought into this world. And if you got some extra, invest in those that are around your kids that may not have what they have as well too. Cause we all, everybody needs a little help. So as we wrap it up, I'm gonna uh, kick it off to Tamika for our words of encouragement. And we, like I said, next show, I will, when we talk about education, I will bring on Dr. Seals and not just talk about ATC, but just talk about, you know, what we can do better within our communities and get our kids better prepared for the jobs of today and the jobs for tomorrow. All right. I am Tamika Day, your co-host for PTG. And hashtag success is my superpower. So motivational quote, we're talking about education. If you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you are determined to learn, no one can stop you. So be unstoppable. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. And I pass it over to Antonio. And I am Antonio Hicks, the host, Mr. Escaping the Matrix. Uh, one thing I will say in this regards to Shakari, and it affects a lot of other kids too, never let anybody dim your life. Like if you're if you are putting in all that work in and you're you're sitting there wake up and it's a strong fire on there, never let the problems of today and the problems of others come in to take that, that flame down and make it eventually go wild. Continue to do what you're doing. Don't don't regard anything that's taking place around you and never let the troubles of today allow your your wax to burn all the way down to where you don't have anything left to continue to invest in yourself. So always invest in yourself and invest in your future and really take care of your mental health in going forward and, and tomorrow. So thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on ptgtv.online for all of our social media platforms. Uh, make sure that you tune into my episode I did with Commissioner Ted Terry. And then we're going to have a gaming episode coming up with uh, him and a lot of other elected officials just to have some fun and kick back and relax. And if you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you hit that like button on there and leave us a comment. So thank you all for tuning in again. Love you. Happy podcasting. Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Hicks, AKA Escape in the Matrix, with my co-host, Ms. Tamika Day. In this episode, we're going to discuss college and minorities and how the education system continue to benefit those of white and affluent families. They have policies that judge applicants based on factors like whether and where their parents attended college, the resources and connections of the high school they attend, and their ability to afford expenses, expensive test preparation materials rather than their academic potential. Welcome on, Tamika. Let's let's get it on. Let's get on. Let's, hello, let's hello. One of those topics I like and dislike all at the same time. So, I mean, why do you? Th- I mean, we we know that and how harsh they judge actual minorities and what they're doing. But you work in education. I mean, you got more experience than I do. I'm an IT nerd. I mean, I, I see how people be doing folks in the office. <laughs> and I know edu- how expensive education is it's with my son going to SCAD now. And my oldest son going to the college that his mom graduated from is free, but my son going to SCAD, it's like 60,000 a year. And I'm trying to figure out how a lot of these families are paying for education like that. And I have to question some of those things too, because if, if your kids don't grow up, and I like to say that yes, his mom and I, we're educated. And a lot of we look at a lot of parents where if they don't if they are not educated and they're not grooming their kids to get prepared for college and get them prepared early on, 
how they can be discounted and forgot about and really look at these prices and be like, oh my God, I can't go here, which leads them out of the actual job placement market because we know how hard it is when we go into the job, they ask you trying to look and see what education you got, where you come, where school you went to, and they base your school on whether or not how much they're going to pay you. And so fortunately for my youngest son, because we prepared them for school early on, he's going into SCAD with a portfolio or website, art stuff that he's already drawn, competitions he's won up in the state of in Michigan for his artwork, his stuff being featured in museums. So he's coming in with a host of things to get him a ton of scholarships. But a lot of kids, they don't have that. And so for me, that's as far as I go when I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure out how the hell does an average person that aren't prepared like this pay for this kind of stuff and what the ramifications are for them. And not to say the community college is bad because I went to a community college too. Not to say community colleges are bad, but when we look at the education system, how it's unfair, how to displace minorities that don't come from households, such as my household, come from households from people that actually have experience and it only benefits, really benefits those who are affluent or who are of the lighter skin tone. The lighter skin tone. You said a lot right there. So basically, let's talk about if you don't have two educated parents, but you desire to go to college, where do you even begin? And what I've learned from being in education, whether it's post-secondary and secondary education, um, has been that you are sometimes only as good as your either the school that you do attend or the household that you come from. So if you are a student who maybe is struggling, maybe have a 2.8 GPA, 2.5, a lot of times the counselor is not even working with you because it's too much work. Mm-hmm. So what I like to look at and tell parents, it's easily easy to talk to the top 10%. You ever notice at every company, job, even in education, people always talk about the 10%, right? Mm-hmm. Or the 5%. So those are the ones that are usually motivated, encouraged. They come from that background that you're talking about. It's easy to help a child with a 3.0 to 3.8 GPA. Those are the kids that are easy. They know what they want to do, they're driven. So if you take the average high school class and you look at maybe 350 to 450 graduates, that means you're only helping 40 kids really go to school when you look at 10%. That's bad. So what are those other 300 to 250 kids gonna do right out of high school? Right. And that's where the resources, community involvement, putting your kids in extracurricular activities, hoping that they get some other type of mentorship so that they can navigate. Um, My daughter went to UGA Extension School 4-H camp. So once again, we're talking about more of a middle-class parent who's looking for some activities for her kids that are non-traditional than a sports camp. So Mm -hmm. she went to a gardening camp on Tuesday. How many African-Americans do you really think is going to send their... (laughs) Kids to a gardening camp. Right. <laughs> I mean, but she came home with a wealth of knowledge and she knew something totally different. So what I'm saying is we have to expose our kids and our families to different things so right. that we are made aware of what opportunities exist for minorities. Right. And that's one of the things that I do, I mean, <sighs> You have to give credit where credit is. The parents, at least, because the what was the study? Not even studied the uh, parents out in um, the Varsity Blues scandal that broke out in California. 
a lot of white families and not even just white families, other like Asian families or Indian families, or even those the African families, they're thinking, they're all the way thinking ahead, but us um, African-American, us black American families, a lot of us come from like rural and urban areas. Some of us that don't come from a two, not even just not two, just one education uh, parent in a household. You're not thinking ahead. You're trying to survive for the moment. You're trying to just make sure the kids are getting the school they need to get while they're in school. And then you're praising them once they come out. But even, even in those situations, what I've seen is that the kids come out, they have a substantial GPA, the 4.0 or higher. They got approved for all of these colleges, but, but you still don't know what the next steps are, especially when it comes to financial aid, or just financing in general, how to get the next steps and getting the kid into college by getting them set up for dorms. Like what are the dorm fees? What are the food expenses? A lot of these things, it, even if you don't have the education experience, but your kid is pushing themselves to get through school, you don't necessarily even know what those next steps are. And like to me, because some of the counselors aren't even really helping you out. Now, when you, now when you get into college, yeah, they gonna get you prepped and ready to go because they want that money. But like his, like my kid and his mom and I, because I do have one getting ready to start SCAD in September and get put up in a dorm. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot that goes into breaking down what those final numbers are, what you're approved for when it comes to scholarships, what you have to come up with out of pocket, getting them prepared, putting down your deposits. A lot of parents don't even know about deposits because in this case, like we had to put down it was almost $2,000. We had to put in a $1,000 deposit and then you got to pay for, you know, the um, applications and stuff. It costs, it costs. And, and, and it's very exhausting. Yes. So one of the main things is starting early. Um, I don't know where we're getting so much misinformation from and why are we waiting so late right. to start the ball rolling? That's what half of the problem is. So this needs to start as early as now. Yes. Like I have an mm -hmm. 11 year old, you can't wait because in seven years, we'll be having this same conversation, mm -hmm. God willing, again. So it's not too early to start looking at where you're thinking about college. You know there's gonna be an increase in tuition in five to six years, at least yes. probably every year. So as you're starting to plan, let's just talk about free. Let's not even go into pocket. Okay. There are some programs at our local technical colleges that if your child major in one of those particular areas of study, there's free tuition. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have money, so let's start with the people that are saying, hey, I can't afford it, college costs too much. Look at some of the free programs. Out of 18 to 23 programs, it's something that your child is probably interested in or that you should introduce to them so that they have a fair chance. Dual enrollment is where we go wrong. We're so focused sometimes on a four year. So I can speak from experience. I have technical career um, diplomas and certifications, as well as undergrad, as well as graduate. Mm -hmm. So technical school was probably the best route to where I've made the most money. <laughs> With yeah. four year um, degree, but somewhere in our minds, society has told us that the benefits of a technical diploma or a certification or a certificate is just not good enough. And a lot of it is old mindset where we knew we had to go to college to get a quote unquote, what I like to call a good job. 
Right. And, but right, you just you just hit it on the head. It was the old mindsets because a lot of us, that's how a lot, a lot of us was prepped and prepared. Now, what I found ironic was four years ago, a lot of these big companies was like, they're not going by that anymore. They're going by what you just said, the certifications and a technical school because the technical school are training you for what's actually needed right here and right, right now. Whereas a four-year college is training you on theory and potential stuff that's coming up down the pipeline. But the technical colleges are going to get you ready for the jobs available today, which is what you need, jobs available right now. And like Tamika said, like even with my kid, we knew what college it was going to since the middle of school. Only one that we didn't know about was my oldest, but my youngest knew what college we was going to. We was visiting colleges in middle school. So we had the tours, we and we nailed down exactly which one we wanted to actually, he wanted to attend. And that's what we focused on. We focused on, so like yeah, like Timmy said, you have to get prepared and you have to get started right now. Like I had him doing portfolios. We were doing all kinds of extracurricular programs outside of school. We was doing college preparatory work. And even once he got in high school, we started doing dual enrollment to get some of your regular core classes is out of the way. So once you actually go into school, you can really start on your actual classes to go towards your degree. But you have a lot of that insight from going from attending college. So right. you are a first, so we have a lot of first generation students, which I find to be almost sometimes so hard that no one, and I'm not just talking about in their immediate family, but you have kids who no one in their family has graduated. <clears throat> and especially when we talk about immediate, we're talking about mom, dad, grandparents, as well as aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. So them trying to navigate this space and they've heard I need to go. But like you said, they don't even know where to get started. So the mm -hmm. first thing is to research. Usually I like to tell people, start with what's in your area. Look around, find the four to five colleges within a 25 to 30 mile radius so you know you can get there. A lot of the challenges is once you get there, then what? There are some applications, um, there's a black student application for your HBCU colleges. And then we also have, there's an application that covers for all predominantly white institutions or PWI, where you can just pay one fee mm -hmm. for those particular applications and it goes out to multiple schools. So that's one of the biggest is those applications. Application fees can range from $25 to $75. Um, also, ACT and SAT preparation um, to prepare for these test scores. Mm -hmm. Most of it is ninth and 10th grade algebra. We should not be waiting to our junior and senior year mm -mm. to test our kids because what ends up happening, they don't have enough time to secure the score that they need in order to get accepted into these universities. Okay, now let's go into the senior year. The senior year in high school, most people don't know there's an early acceptance mm -hmm. and that starts in November. So if they're doing early acceptance in November, your kid hasn't even finished college. But if we don't, they haven't even finished high school. So if we don't know these things, we're already starting out always behind. So by the time you submit your application, by the time you take your test, these kids are already accepted and in school. Mm -hmm. So we have to just do a better job of getting the information out about what's needed so that they're even on the same playing field. I, and I think too that the parents need to be more involved. And I say that because <laughs> I had family members. I, I, I just put it out there. Y'all know I'm an open book. I don't, I, you know, I say, I say what it is. I had family members who have 
who had a chance to do the dual enrollment and get take the free do take the free college route because it was for a local college, community college here. And one of our good friends and best friends at that time was the vice president of that college. And they was trying to get their enrollment up for the community college. So they was they wanted everybody to know about, you know, the, the free enrollment. And then the state actually had money in place to have you go for free, depending on what, what you're going to school for. And a lot of it was engineering, because I always say shout out to engineers. And the parents, man, the parents is, they they were either too lazy because they didn't want to get up and take the kid to the school afterwards after they finished high school because it wasn't a bus that went out. That's probably that's that's one thing we do need to address. If you're doing dual enrollment, we do need to have a bus that go from the school to high school to the actual college to get them there without depending upon the parents to take them to and from. In this case, now we got virtual classes now, but before then it wasn't in virtual classes. But that's one thing the parents need to be, parents in, in, in general need to be more involved with their kids and the kids' education. Now, I'm not saying you got to know everything because believe me, math changes every year. Math changes every year. And I don't care how well you know math, <laughs> they're going to change Bye. it up the next year. So I don't expect you to, the only thing that's going to be consistent and about the same is science. Science, social studies, and any history, it's all going to be. But when it comes to math, yeah, that's going to change just about every doggone year. But be involved with your kids and your kids in your kids' studies because, I mean, you want your kids to be better than you, right? And these colleges, yes, they are looking for rich kids. They don't care about you if you're poor. They don't want to give you no benefits. So you got to get your kid ready to go to an institution. Even if they go to community college, you still got to get them ready for community college because it's not it's not always free. I mean, you still got to pay for it. And you got to figure out where the money is going to come from because a lot of us don't have money to pay for community for just classes in general. And not just classes, like you got to pay for books. I mean, it's a whole lot of stuff that goes into taking care of college and tuition and stuff. So yeah, it's the school system. It is not proportionally and disproportionately fair to black people. It's always against not even black people, minorities in general. I mean, I, I, we, we always say black people, but really, if you come from a poor community, it's not for you. It is for the fluent kids and the white kids to come for money. They know they can take care of. It. They don't have to worry about trying to go out there and work at some grills, flipping some burgers and stuff, just to try to get tuition covered and, you know, be on the pole the next night trying to get other stuff taken care of. Let's talk about how it can benefit um, those that are minorities, right? There are a lot of scholarships and there are they a are. lot of programs uh-huh. and there are things out there that we can do. I just think that my people perish for lack of knowledge. We're just not aware. We are. We have become a generation of give me instead of research. So you have but to Google. Google is your friend. How do you fix it though? Because you have the colleges. I mean, you go, you you at you're at your school. So when you all go out to these high schools, like how do you get that? How do you beat that into these parents' head to get their kids ready for school? And like you said, actually Google what it takes to get them into certain programs and even find out what they even like. Because a lot of times you don't even, kids don't even know what the hell they even want to go to school for. The problem is we're not recruiting parents. And that's where I would say is a lack. We have to start with recruiting um, parents and getting parents more involved in what it takes to complete the application. You know, what do we need to fill out the application? When it's asking you about extracurricular activities and your kids have, haven't been in any extracurricular activities, you're already behind. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by you have to start early. I know by putting Emory in the 4-H camp, 4-H starts in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. I already know that that's going to be one of the things that's going to be on her for her to have participated. So now we're going to talk about longevity. She will be in the sixth grade. So 
So if we do some type of activity from sixth grade all the way to 12th grade, we can say that she's been in that particular activity or part of that extracurricular for six years. Mm -hmm. So to somebody else, it's like, wow, you're already thinking about that? Yes. yes. Because it matters. Mm -hmm. Your TCA starts over sixth grade, right? Mm -hmm. Then it starts over again in the ninth grade. So even if your child had a rough sixth, seventh, and eighth grade year, you reset and you start at zero in the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. So once you get to ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th, we have to start looking at um, whether it's a technical school, and let's talk about the difference, right? So let's, technical school offers some two-year degree programs at the school, but they also offer certificates and diploma training and sometimes just um, small certificates that may be something like a Microsoft Word certification class or HVAC, you're always going to need an air conditioner man. I don't care how old you are. You're going to need to have someone fix mm -hmm. your AC or even your plumbing. So some things they may not pursue as a career, but they will have those uh, life skills or something to make all about. So that's why I believe in a technical certification. Then you have um, two-year schools, or what we like to think of as junior colleges is what we used to call them. I don't know what they call them now, but there are some schools to where you can just go for two years, get your associate's degree, if you're not ready to then go into a full college or university that has on-campus housing, dorms, and a little bit more activity. But we just need to start researching and deciding what is a good fit, going to visit campuses. So I've kind of made it, made a decision to where when we travel, I at least try to ride my kids by college so they're familiar with what college looks like, what it feels like. They went on their first college tour to Duke University when they were infants and small kids. My daughter was like four years old on the campus. I've taken them to my alma mater. So you have to, if you want your kids to engage and if you want them to be involved in the college process, you have to take them to visit. College visitation is free mm -hmm. and it does not matter the age of the school, of, of the child. So I'm gonna say the earlier you get involved, 